Hello loves and welcome to the Introverts Toolbox, the podcast for introverts who feel like the world's kind of fucked up, where the biggest and craziest people get all the success, and we're left wondering like, oh my god, what the hell do we do? My name's Karen Hewitt and I am your host and we're going to go over systems, methods and skills you can use as an introvert to be authentically you and be successful. So subscribe and share this on your social media and don't forget to give us five stars and let's get started. You know what I love? I love families. And my next guest is the youngest of four, grew up surrounded by extroverts, like everybody was an extrovert. And they would say things, you know, how families say things, it's all out of love. We know it's from love, but they'll be less sensitive. You know, why don't you speak up a little bit? Well, because of that experience, Suzanne now leans into her introverted self and she's an advocate for introverts to see their sensitivity as that superpower. It's time for a quiet revolution. Now, Susan is a author, coach, life coach who transforms bodies and minds, helping clients deal with negative patterns of behavior, shed that kilos, build the confidence and create lasting change. She's personally experienced her own body transformation going from 150 kilograms to 72 kilograms, lives in Sydney, Australia with her husband and two young children. And I know anything about young children, they definitely do keep you busy and entertained. And as we were talking before, if we get some surprise guests, that's pretty much par for the course. Hi, Suzanne. How are you? I am good, Karen. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm really grateful. So going off your bio, we're going to just kind of chit chat here. You grew up with extroverts. Oh, yes. <laughs> how was that experience having everyone around you being extroverted, even as a young child? exhausting and it's interesting because I'm an adult now and I do a lot of writing and I write on my page and yesterday I wrote about experience I was having and like as introverts we process on our own and sharing it I like to share because other people see that and they get it and we say what's not said but what's been funny is my family's then read it and the number of phone calls now I'm an adult I can dodge them (laughs) because I know that they mean well but they want to tell me about their experience of what I've shared And it's like, I need to recharge alone. I need to be alone right now. And yes, I share, but I don't share for let's have a chit chat about it. That's actually more exhausting. So even grown up now, they still don't get me. The fact that when I share something, it's not let's all call and talk about it. It's that's how I work through it on my own and then share it. So yes, they just, they don't get me still, but you know, I love them. (laughs) Yeah, journaling is such a powerful tool, especially for introverts, because we're able to, all that stuff that's going on ahead, we just throw it down and it doesn't always make sense at first, but then we look at it and go, oh, okay. And I have to be honest, the decline button on the phone, it's probably one of my favorite buttons. I say they can leave a voicemail, but then they tell me my voicemail tells them not to leave a voicemail and just text me instead. Because <laughs> that's literally, it says, hey, if you, you can leave me a voicemail, but I probably won't answer. So text me. I should update mine for that because yeah, I've, I very rarely listen to a voicemail when I'm ready, I will call back and mm-hmm. then it'll be like this talk about the message that I didn't listen to. <laughs> uh, guilty, totally guilty of that one. I listen to the first sentence sometimes if I don't recognize the number and then I go, is that a spam or is that someone I need to call back? Well, if they need to call back, they'll call back. And then I yeah, the I figure that again. they'll call again. If they really need to get me and it's really important, they'll call again. <laughs> and then I skip that next call when it comes in as well because they always call it the worst times. You know, introvert problems, we don't like talking on the phone. It's that mundane chitter-chatter. Mm. That's, it's just exhausting. 
it's like, don't ask me about the weather. If you want to know what the weather's like, go look out your window. <laughs> yes. Or for me, I don't know if you do this. It's like, I won't even look out the window. I'll look at the app and then I'll go outside and be like, the app's wrong. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. All the time. That just happens all the time. So you had that experience growing up, this introvert surrounded by extroverts. And I'm finding that children that are introverted, we're kind of not the norm. We're the exception because everyone expects the kids to be hyper, running around, jumping up and down, being loud, being crazy. And then you have us introvert kids, the quiet ones. They're sat in the corner reading a book and looking at you with death glares when you inter dare interrupt them from their reading. And you've now gone into this experience where you have kids of your own. Mm -hmm. Are they on the introverted side or are they on the extroverted side? I'm I have curious. one of each. I have one who takes after me, basically always carries a book happily in the corner, doesn't like noise, really struggled with the transition to school because it was so noisy. And when she had teachers that got it, like they had a quiet corner, or one teacher actually set up a little teepee for her and like put her in the teepee with her books, she was fine. But other people were insistent that there was something wrong with her and they sent her for all these hearing tests. And I was like, there's nothing wrong with her. They're like, oh, maybe she should go to school when she's older. Maybe she needs more time to adjust socially. I'm like, no. She's just like me. I am in my 30s, nearly 40, and I don't adjust socially. <laughs> but my son is a raging extrovert. And during lockdown last year, he would sit at the window and wait for the mailman or male woman to come and go flying out the door, socially distanced. And like, hello! He would talk to, like, when something broke down and we had to have a plumber, he was so excited because he had someone else to speak to besides us. He would speak to anyone about anything at any time. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah, that is true. Whenever we look at introverts, society as a whole, whether it be as a child or as an adult, there's always this, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Why can't you just get over it? Yes. Why are you making such a big deal of this? But no one tells them to shut up. Like no one says, could you just be more quiet or could you give me space or you're too loud? You know, like it's funny when my family comes to visit, I like my house quiet. I don't have background music. I don't even have a satellite. So I don't have television. Like I have streaming like Netflix or whatever, but I don't have free to air. It kills my dad every time he visits. Like he always goes and buys the antenna so he can plug it in so he can watch the news. Cause like, how could you live without knowing exactly what happens? It's like, if I need to know, I'll find out. But the noise, the constant noise. And that's what... When I moved out, and my husband is also introverted, just the pure bliss of silence. And we both get it. <laughs> and now you have kids that isn't as common anymore because, like you said, your son, he's like, whoa! Exactly. And it's challenging. He's getting a little older now, so he's six. So sometimes we can have a discussion and it's like, you know, everybody else just needs some downtime. And once we've had this downtime, then we can go to the park or watch a movie or play a game or whatever. But then after we've done that, like he's all excited and we're all like, we're needing to recharge. So it's like, we've just been to the park now, you know, so it's explaining and modeling that different people do different things. And, you know, sometimes we will do the things that you want to do. And sometimes you will do the things that we want to do. And it's a balance. <laughs> yeah. I think that's so important, that whole modeling what we want and how we want to be treated and the having the acknowledgement that introverted individuals, there's nothing wrong. We're just wired differently. Yes. And I was telling you earlier before we jumped on here that I loved a sentence in your email to me. 
which was about introverts' superpower. And anyone who's been listening to my podcast or any of my socials, they know I always talk about hidden gifts are the superpowers of an introvert. Because we're told to change so much because we're not the normal, it causes a lot of people to downplay their gifts, their superpowers. How have you found that experience has been for yourself? The leaning into your introverted gifts rather than trying to be someone who everyone else says to be. Yes. Well, people often think that you're not listening because you're quiet, which is fascinating because you're not contributing to the conversation. There'll be an assumption that you're not actually listening. And the superpower part of it is you're actually listening so much deeper because you're not listening to respond. Like, let's just keep the conversation going. And what do I say now? You're actually truly listening. So the things that you observe, like, it's funny I say observe because I'm not a visual person. Um, I'm actually kinesthetic. So I process best by doing so going for walks or um, doing something active and then letting it land in so often if I'm in a meeting or something of my full choice what works best for me is I'll only have my earbuds in and I'll be out for a walk and people will assume that I'm not listening or I'm not participating because I'm not on screen and you know doled up and all this sort of stuff but then when you actually do get to contribute it's like, whoa, not only is she listening, but that's an amazing idea. And like for my husband, for example, who's also introverted, he's only ever worked in an office and the gift of the pandemic has been work from home. He'll have his camera off and he'll actually play something like Candy Crush because, you know, keeping your hands busy, but it's mindless, but he's listening. And then he'll be like, like put all the pieces together and everyone else will be like, and then his workplace is found like now that things are opening back up he actually is much more productive at home because he doesn't have the chit chat and doesn't have the things that take away the focus. So it's like you can do a lot more quality rather than quantity where we do a nine to five and we punch all these hours in when we're actually really fully focused and knowing how we focus. Because for some people, like you know, for an extroverted person trying to maybe watch Candy Crush and listen and this and this and this, it wouldn't be their superpower, but that's something else. But assuming that everybody is like us, I think is a big drawback of modern society. I, I totally think it's a yin and a yang. We have to have the extrovert and their superpowers and their gifts. But we also have to have the introverts. And talking about that, I think the offices, they shifted probably in the 80s where we started to have those power individuals in office situations, the ones that became the focus. And that's when we shifted to praising the extrovert more than the introvert. And I find it interesting how you say he tends to work better at home. We can do so much more at home that keeps us distracted, but we tend to get more done focused because we can tune out all the people that just want to talk to us about the weather or the water cooler or something like that. Now, I know that you help other people transform their lives as well. And you really try and work with those may have an introverted side. And one of the things I was reading up was that you help build confidence. I find that confidence is different for someone who's introverted than extroverted, because this is going to sound so cliche, but it's like this quiet confidence with the introverts. They don't need to be up in front of everyone. They don't need to be the show. They just get it done, let it happen and go forward. Whereas the extrovert confidence, they're the ones that can dance and jump up and down on stage, get everyone riled up and motivated and whoa, you know, all this. How do you help people establish that confidence role? 
because everyone when they hear confidence they expect well I don't really want to go dance in places I don't want to run around I don't want to scream and shout I'm not going to sing karaoke you can forget that yo <laughs> and that's what everyone says is confidence what's your take I love this question. No one's ever actually asked it in this frame before because I work, you know, primarily with people releasing physical weight, like from their body. And there is an assumption that when you release weight and reach your goal weight, you'll be happy and confident. It's like this cliche. And what people find, especially introverted people, it's like, I'm still me. I just take up less space, like less physical space. And it's almost a disappointment. And then you don't even get to really feel that or lean into that because society, extroverted people are telling you, you must feel, you must feel amazing. You must feel great. You must feel this. And then if you say, actually, don't even hear it, like just cut it off. Like do not break my dream because my dream is once I lose weight, my life will be amazing. And I'll like fart rainbows and unicorns and all this sort of stuff. And the confidence can start today, irregardless of weight. Like it's funny. I'm a weight loss coach. I don't do weigh-ins. I don't talk about food. I don't talk about exercise. But, you know, people come because they have this linked assumption and it's like, and I love how you've talked about reels and point. Like, I will never sing and dance and point ever. If that's what it takes to be successful, I'll just stay in my cave. <laughs> but the thing is, I love singing and dancing and stuff on my own, in my own space, but never for like public <laughs> consumption. But the confidence is to be you like to say no without worry that you're feeling like a bitch or you're offending other people or listening to the story of what they make it mean because in the past I think this is a very introverted thing somebody like come to my Tupperware party and you'll be like I couldn't think of anything worse but you don't want to be rude so you'll say yes and you'll either force yourself to go and just buy something so you can get out of there as quickly as possible but then you're on the mailing list and you never get away from it or at the last minute I'm not feeling well and then you cancel and one of my pet peeves in life is if I ever go to the effort of catering like you're coming to my house so I have all the stuff set out and then you don't come at the last minute it irritates me especially as an introvert like the energy I put in I'd much rather you say actually Suzanne I hate Tupperware please never invite me again because that's not offensive to me. Because otherwise, if you say, oh, not this time, the kids have a concert. Oh, not this time, I need to wash the dog. Oh, not this time. You're going to keep, so like the confidence to say, actually, thank you so much for inviting me. I love that you invited me. That's true. I don't actually like Tupperware, you know, and then, but if you did something else, so like to actually say what's happening for you, rather than to put your needs aside, turn up for something you're not interested in, or just keep fobbing people off with a BS excuse. Okay, so you pulled up something real. I want to catch on something. They're turning up to make so the people happy. I have found that a lot of introverts will tend to lean into people pleasing because they want to avoid the conflict, mm. which in turn turns into the cycle of being miserable and being forced into situations that they don't want. <laughs> and there's this need to people, and especially those that are highly sensitive or empathic. They'll go more to the people pleasing because can't have the conflict, don't want the stress, don't want people yelling at me. How do you work with individuals like this? Because I also know like even with weight loss, some people will do it to people please. As in they'll either try and wait, lose weight to people please or they will eat to people please. Mm -hmm. So that has to be something that comes up a fair bit for you. Yeah, I work with people pleasers, martyrs and can't say noers. So, and the thing is, I love how you said they'll eat to people please because often in public 
I will eat this lettuce or I'll eat this kale as an aside. Kale tastes like I'd rather be fat. But, you know, I'll eat this thing, two people, please. And then on the way home, I'll go through drive through or I'll secretly, or once my husband's in bed, I'll go to the chocolate drawer. Like, it's funny, the first time I spoke about the chocolate drawer, I thought I was the only one. And then everyone has their version, cupboard, shelf, hidey hole. And the other one point that you made is people will lose weight to people, please. So that you'll get on the scale at the doctors and they'll say, you know, you go to the doctor. Like I used to weigh twice what I do now. You go to the doctor with a legitimate thing. I have a headache. I have a chest infection. I have a UTI, like, you know, something like that. And you'll get this whole song and dance about your weight and your BMA and you've got one foot in the grave. And then off you'll go and be like, can I have some antibiotics, please? <laughs> like, can you actually deal with what I came here for? And then you'll get charged. I don't know about overseas, but in Australia, you get charged the appointment. So they'll charge you this double or triple appointment because of your weight. Anyway, I could go on a whole rave about that. But the thing is, when you were changing to people, please, the doctors told me, um, you know, my husband or my partner or my friend is like, we're worried about your health. Don't even get me started on that because there's a physical health, but what about mental and emotional health? Like that's a gaslighting manipulative thing. But, you know, when you do it to people, please, it's like holding a ball underwater. You're like, okay, I'm going to do this weight thing. I'm going to eat less. I'm going to have this kale. I'm going to force myself to do CrossFit. But eventually you let go and the ball hits you in the face and you end up on the nonstop ticket to binge town, bigger than ever and beating yourself up because I can't do this. So they've done studies like John Hopkins and big established places have done studies that weight loss, like the trigger to do it, the motivation to start is never enough to actually succeed. Like motivation might be the spark. But how do you turn from that into momentum, into long-term thing? Which is why on my sales page and everything, I'm like, if you're after quick fixes in this, like I have a lot to say. My page probably takes people 40 minutes to read. And I say it in the first sentence, if you can't be bothered reading this, I'm not the coach for you. Because people want this instant result. Because the thing is, because those people on some level don't actually want to change. And that's okay. They shouldn't have to. If you're really, this is how you want to be, stay that way and embrace it and love yourself as you are. And don't force yourself to do this shit that you don't want to do because someone's told you that you should. I absolutely love that because for years I was losing weight, but it wasn't really what I wanted to do. And then when I decided it was a me thing, I'm down 90 pounds in a year. So I'm like, okay, it's a me thing now. I'm doing this. But you're right. People will turn around and if they don't want to change, they're not going to. And at the same time, we still have this pressure on people that if we tell you enough that you should change, then you're going to because we don't want to deal with you anymore. And I know me, myself as an introvert, I find myself falling into that. If people keep going and going and going, I'm like, fine, whatever, I'll just, just get it over with. I'm done. I don't want to hear you anymore because it's easier. When we're looking at this constant manipulation, the guilt tripping, what do you tell your clients who are hearing, like, I see it a lot, spouses. You know, this is going to sound terrible saying it this way, but the husband wants the wife to be a size two with hips and, you know, boobs and wear heels and have platinum blonde hair. And the wife's like, well, I'm just a, I'm a healthy version of me and I'm five, three and don't make me dye my hair blonde, please. But he, you know, keeps on going. Or the wife wants the husband to have the Jason Momoa body. <laughs> honey grow a beard or oh just lift some weights and we see this <laughs> you're laughing because you know it's true you've seen this yes 
but it doesn't just go for weight it goes for everything in life we pick and we nip and we just go and as introverts we get it a lot because we don't speak out as often it's this i often tell people if an introvert starts slamming their foot down and saying no it just means you haven't heard them the thousand times before Yes, it's like those memes you see where it's like mum asks the kids ignore, mum asks the kids ignore, mum asks the kids ignore, mum loses her mind. What's wrong with mum? It's like, and I think that happens so much with introverts because we don't have the loudest voice necessarily and people are used to just railroading over us and nick, 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 and she'll give in eventually. And when we reach the point where we're just done and we're just like running on empty and totally out of charge, blow up. And then people don't get it. And I think what I, a lot of what I coach people with is as basic as it sounds is communication because sometimes to so say, for example, I've been with my husband since I was 18. So we've been together for 20 years. So he's seen every iteration of my weight up and down and up and down. You see me lose 40 kilos, gain it all back, lose 60 kilos, gain it all back with interest. And so in this iteration, like after I've had my second child, I said to him, Jeremy, I'm going to lose weight. And I could see the nascent eye roll coming and I could see the nod and whatever. And he's like, yeah, okay. So then we go to the supermarket and buying the groceries and I pick up this packet of Tim Tams, it's chocolate biscuit or cookie. I think you call them cookies over there. And he literally like slaps this out of my hand. Like, no, you don't want that. And anyway, I was like, you don't tell me what to do. I picked up two packets, put them in the trolley. We get out. But before we've even got home, I've eaten these two packets of Tim Tams. And then I'm crying, go, you don't support me. And he's like, what do you mean? You don't support me. You told me to support you. I hit the tin times out of your hand. And I think, you know, this is the thing where communication is not clear. What I wanted him to say is to give me a hug and say, you've got this. What's happening? Why are you reaching for biscuits? But I just assumed like he should just know that. And he was like, well, she wants support. So I just take the shit off her and she doesn't eat it. So it's kind of like we've both in this conversation but we're not really clear. And when it comes to weight loss, a lot of us, this is not our first rodeo. So we say to it, because the thing is so funny. I remember working with someone and she's like, I told my friend I'm working with Suzanne. So I'm going to lose weight. And then she's like, so every week we meet up, she brings coffee and cake and we have a chat. And then she got on a coaching call and she's crying. And she's like, the friend doesn't want me to lose weight. And I was like, why? She's like, cause she came to the catch up and she brought coffee and cake. So she's sabotaging me. And I'm like, did you ask her not to bring coffee and cake? She's like, no, I told her she's working with Suzanne. Who the fuck's Suzanne? She wouldn't know. <laughs> so like be really clear. Uh, and then you, you don't want your friends to think that, you know, you're changing them. Because often as you start to drop weight, people will feel judged. It's never your intention. And you may not, like if I go to the movies, I don't care what the hell you eat, but I might choose not to have the frozen Coke, the popcorn, the chalk top, like all the stuff before. Sometimes I still do, but you know, it's having open, honest conversations. This is what I'm doing. Because the other thing too is people go, when you say I want to lose weight and you're working with a mindset coach, have you tried paleo? Have you tried keto? Have you tried, like you're a freaking idiot who hasn't heard of all these things. So it's like being really clear. So make sure with your partner, they're not watching the footy or playing the Xbox when you announce as a way through the room that, can you support me on my weight loss? Yeah, sure, fine, honey. Like you sit down and also ask permission before you have the conversation. Like, is this a good time to hear this? 
because sometimes we don't have the capacity, especially if your partner's also introverted. Like if my husband comes in here and says he wants to do whatever, like, no, I'm recording an interview. Now's not the time. So instead of saying, yeah, whatever. And then like you do it with your kids sometimes. You just say yes to get them out of your face and they run off in glee. And then you're like, what have I said yes to? Oh, so yeah. it's like having these conversations at a time that works for both of you, open and honest and bringing it back rather than, because you can both, argue that the other person is wrong you were in the same conversation but what you heard and what they heard totally opposite <laughs> I'm just still laughing at the the kid thing because half the time I'm like what the fuck did I just agree to just agree <laughs> to something but what was it <laughs> it's just with everyone it's these conversations it's this honesty and it doesn't have to be loud it doesn't have to be insane it can even be through email or text message just however you feel comfortable communicating it. And yes. I really love how you talk about that experience with the cookies because he thought he was supporting you. Like, and it's like, no, there's a difference between supporting me and trying to control what I eat. Yes. But he didn't realize he was trying to control. He just thought he was being supported. And that's a whole perception thing. And it's people- like, I remember once a lady wanted to work with me and she went to speak to her husband about the price and you know I support that I'm not one of these people who's like you don't need your husband's you don't need a man anyway that's the whole thing and then she came back and she was really upset and she's like he bought me a gym membership and I was like of course he did like that's his way like he doesn't understand what this is or how especially if your partner hasn't struggled with their weight or they're gifted with the male testosterone thing I need to lose a bit of weight I join the gym I run and the weight's gone like you're not a woman with a lifelong history of you know they're not going to understand what this is. So they think that they're helping, you know, it's like, but having, this is all it is. Like, have you ever done something and you've been so excited and you've given someone something and they've been like horrified? I've done that before, but you know, it happens so often people like, here you go, here's a gym membership. And it's like, that's not actually what I wanted, but you said you wanted to lose weight. Yeah. (laughs) And maybe an introvert or extrovert gift. Like if somebody bought me tickets to a concert, I couldn't think of anything worse being in the mosh pit. Like um, maybe they don't have them now with COVID. I don't go to concerts anyway, but like to them, they might think it's the best gift ever. I would be like, I would have liked maybe a book or (laughs) so. Oh, my best friend is just like that. There's concert. She's like, oh my gosh, we have to go to this concert and we have to go here. And then I'm like going, really? (laughs) That sounds horrifying. Thank you very much. Mystery bus tour. No ever never but it's just one of those things that we have to get on the same page and with that same breath I mean we're talking about how sometimes extroverts misunderstand introverts and even introverts misunderstand introverts but I think introverts often misunderstand themselves because of all this pressure that's been put on them to be different yes and they don't want to lean into that strength because it's been told that it's wrong or too sensitive or too girly or something like that. And I bet that comes up a lot in your clients that, you know, well, I know what you're saying, but, you know, I'm always told that I'm too this or too that. How do you help your clients with that? Yeah, it's funny you should say that. So I also work with people in business and we often want to go to networking events or conferences or things like that. Many of them are not built for introverts. It's always been my passion to kind of, you know, people, when they ask for feedback on the feedback forms, never ask me for feedback if you don't want it. I will write you a book. (laughs) 
but I remember once that I went to and I said like you, you don't really have a lot of things for introverts and I gave them ideas of maybe like a resting room or, or somewhere where they could have like a little fountain like you know in the venue or maybe having some longer breaks between things so people can just go back to their room or anyway I was really proud of myself I spent a lot of time thinking this out and the next year they kind of tried to take it on board but the way they marketed it was like if you're introverted and you're too shy to come we will find you a buddy and I was like it's not that I can't make friends. <laughs> like I think sometimes people think introverted is in like shy. Yes, I'm also shy, but it's like there's nothing wrong with you if you need time to recharge your capacity and that's the way that you function. So that's the other thing too, growing up with an extroverted family, we come full circle back to that. Um, when I go to visit them, because I run my own business, I just need my laptop, my backdrop and wherever. And my dad never understands why my calls aren't back to back to back to back to back. And he's like, well, you're not even working then, are you? And he's like, oh, since you're not doing anything, can you vacuum, do the dishes, like run to the shop? And I'm like, I am doing something, but, but, but I don't work my business as in like, you know, I would do if I was employed or I would do in an extroverted thing because I need that time between the calls to recharge my capacity. So even if I'm reading a book, it's like, she's not doing anything. She should be vacuuming. <laughs> And I think that's a lot of people like telling people that, you know, the vacuuming is always going to need to be doing, not saying don't look after your house and be a total slob, but, you know, your capacity, your filters, filling yourself up first, especially when kids go to school, they're not there that many hours. By the time you drop them off and done the stuff, I remember working with a client recently and she has this day off. She's also an entrepreneur. And on, I'm like, what did you do on your day off? She's like, well, I ordered new uniforms for the kids and I paid my bills. And I did the grocery shopping and like all these things. I'm like, how is this a day off so like for the introvert like time off is that time to really recharge and learning that it's not shameful or guilty or you're not doing nothing you're actually prioritizing you know because when I don't look after me and I'm not have my capacity refilled I'm snappy I yell at my kids I pick at everything and then it's not a nice environment oh and I think that goes double for women because for some reason we're supposed to be able to run business raise the kids take care of the house, make sure that the partner in our life is taken care of, all these things. And then if we go, oh, I'm tired, I want to sit down. It'll be like, but what did you do all day? Yes, yes. And also too, what did you do all day? So like I work with my clients on getting rid of to-do lists because to-do lists is never ending. And also what do you do with to-do list? You cross it off. You use notes on your phone and you cross it off. So you get to the end of the day and all you're left with is a glaring list of all the things that are still to do. So instead, I have a done list. That's why with the, with the client, I was like, it's your day off. What did you actually do today? Let's work all this out because we don't have a magical fairy or somebody who's going to come and buy the uniform or pay the bill or get the groceries or like this emotional labor. There's actually books on this now, this concept of emotional labor. Like these are all things that count. And what we tend to do, especially when we're trying to lose weight, we only count the eating less and the moving more but I don't have any more capacity to move after I've done these 15 things. No wonder we go drive through and buy cheap and cheerful because we're just done. And then we look at our list and go, I didn't do anything and beat ourselves up for being lazy. I hear you completely on the list. I'm one of those people that has to have a list because I had a traumatic brain injury a few years back and I have to have the list so I know what I'm doing. And I had that same experience where I'd go, oh my gosh, look at this. Didn't do anything. I suck. What's my problem? So what I've started to do, and this is for those people who have to have a list to be able to achieve things, is at the end of the day, I come up with five top things that I achieved. What did I do? 
So that way I can look back and go, okay, well, I, I, I knocked this out and I managed to do this and I picked something up because it'd be great to never have a to-do list. Mm. It really would. I mean, oh my God, if I could, I would just hire everyone. Like, okay, you're now taking care of all the house stuff. You're now taking care of all the food stuff. You're now taking care of the, no, I, I'm done. You'll hire everyone. <laughs> I think that's amazing. And that's giving back. It's, it's interesting for my family of origin. That's very frowned upon. Like, why would you, are you too lazy to do your own things? And I was like, but if I hire someone and they, they're a cleaner or they're a painter or they're a gardener, or there are people who like pick your kids up and drop them off from school, that's what they do. Then we have more capacity and energy to do what we do. And this is how the ecosystem grows rather than adding more onto our plate. And I love how you said the thing, like some people have to have a to-do list and I appreciate that. But for those people that I work with, I encourage them to make it a checklist. So when it's done, they tick it off, not cross it off or delete it off their phone so they can actually see and then also add to it. Because sometimes you have this to-do list, you end up with all these other things. Like I, my son came home from school the other day and he had paint on his trousers that wouldn't come off and my daughter had a ripped dress. That wasn't on my list of things to do. So then I put it on my done list or I wrote it on my to-do list and ticked. It's not cheating because other things come up that need to be like fires that need to be put out. Oh yeah. I mean, we're constantly in motion. And one of the pieces of advice I was given, this was by someone who was really extroverted and I've kind of taken it on and I do it now as an introvert because it saves my sanity, but it was a business piece of advice. And they said, determine what you think you're worth on an hourly rate. And if you can hire someone to do something for less than that hourly rate, do it. Just get it off your list because you could be making more money and making more impact for your family by doing your work. Yes, that's so, so true. It was given to me like in that very extroverted mindset. My email, oh, I hate email. It's like half the time it's people just wanting little silly things. I actually have a virtual assistant that goes through, takes care of it. And it gets it rid of all the spam and the people trying to sell you Ray-Bans. And, <laughs> and then sends me a quick list at the end of the day. Okay, this person needs an answer. This person needs an answer. And this person needs an answer. So I go from like a hundred messages to two yeah. that I actually have to work on. And she is so worth that money for me because I'm not going to sit there and do the, no, thank you. I do not want to buy Ray-Bans. Please take me off your mailing list or unsubscribe from the same email account like 20 times in a row. Yeah. Unsubscribe you. <laughs> I, but, I love that. And also too, like I hire a gardener and I love it because I don't have the tools. I don't have a place to store the tools. I don't have a trailer to take the clippings and stuff to the dump. And also he does it in an hour, what would take me an entire day. So when the gardener comes and I sit there with my book and I watch it, like the guilt of sometimes like, maybe I should help. I'm like, help Suze, you got no idea what you're doing. But, you know, but like that thing, it's like, I'm rebuilding my capacity. My garden's been taken care of. And as you said, that what I could earn in that hour, as opposed to well, actually, be honest six hours it take me to do what he does in one hour um so i think sometimes we don't look through the potential like you've just described yeah and i think that's where a lot of people miss the mark is they're not seeing their potential and his intro is they're not seeing how their superpower is their potential and like you said you help a lot with mindset and you help of, of releasing those things that are holding you back and keeping you in the place you want to be or yo-yoing or having that that relationship going on with food or anything like that is just not really helping them be who they're meant to be. It's not helping them be someone different. It's who is their best version of 
them who they are meant to be. So if people wanted to reach out to you, look up what you do, look at your 40 minute sales page. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for the people who don't like to read, I've also recorded it so you can listen and I'm currently getting it turned into a PDF so you could print it out if you're textile and you want to touch it and read, uh, you know. So suzannekohlberg.com, I'm sure you'll put how to spell it in the show notes because, you know, I've never actually had anybody get it right the first time. (laughs) I love going out. I get anything from Goldberg to whatever else. And that's my website. If you go forward slash book, suzannekohlberg.com forward slash book, you can get the first two chapters of my book for free. And I don't add you to my mailing list automatically. You're invited after you've read the chapters. I don't like the assumed consent in current marketing. Like once I've given you my email, I gift to give you like my left kidney. Uh, no. <laughs> well, I'm now tempted to not spell your name to see what kind of renditions we get on this, <laughs> but I'm not that mean. I will make sure your name's spelt right and everything. I'll put the link to the book and all that there. It has been an absolute pleasure and there has been so much information change and so many ideas processed today. Listeners, I want you want you to do, my loves, is just pop in the comments, whether it be on the podcast or on the social media, what is one thing that you're going to take away from this little chit chat we had today that you think is going to impact your life? Because one of the ways you can make a change is by acknowledging what you heard to make that change. And so put in the comments one thing you're going to take away And we will be talking with you soon with another great guest. Thank you so much and have a great day. Thank you, Suzanne. Thank you, Karen. And thank you for listening to another episode of the Introverts Toolbox. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And you know what? I want to know, what is one thing you learned today? Is there something that you're going to take and use in your life or your business? Let me know below.